We welcome you to the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. And I read this for you. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. My name is Mike Keith, and I'm joined by Amy Wells. Amy, how you doing? Hey, Mike Keith, you sound especially announcery today. I feel like we need to get you in a booth. That's because I've got a top flight professional television announcer with us. Say hello to our longtime friend and Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer, Charles Davis. Welcome to the OTP. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to see you guys again. So I, I was doing the background stuff and I was like, let's talk about the jobs of Charles Davis. Amy, this is incredible. He is the voice of Madden football. So for all the gamers out there, you know Charles Davis is the voice of Madden. You, you were doing Madden earlier today, is that right? Yeah, doing sessions from home. Myself and my, my partner, the play-by-play -play voice, Brandon Godden, who um, at one point was the voice of Butler basketball and, of course, football. Although when you think Butler, you think basketball. And Georgia Tech before moving into the full TV ranks for the most part with Big Ten Network, Fox Sports, still does Westwood One Radio for uh, NCAA basketball tournament and other things. So, yeah, um, we're having to work from home like everyone is, and the Madden people came through with home equipment, and we're, we're, we're still cranking it out. So what are you recording right now for Madden? What are the sort of – I know you don't want to give it all away, but the sort of topics that you're doing at this point. Well, finishing up um, everything to get ready for this year's game to come out, Madden 21. As you understand, during the initial days of the pandemic, as we all came to a kind of a grinding halt, we're making up ground there. We're doing fixes and patches in the game, meaning you'll find glitches in the game that the gamers will quickly let you know about, and you better get it fixed as fast as possible, and that's what we've been working on as well. And I'm sure we're already sprinkling in some stuff for next year's game to go, go ahead and start getting ready. But, you know, we got all the rookies now have been drafted. The free agents have, have, have changed teams. And so for the most part, we have guys in the proper places on their rosters as we head into training camp. Obviously, there'll be trades, cuts, things of that nature. But right now, we know Tua Tungavailoa has indeed gone to the Miami Dolphins, although I don't know we were, if we thought him going at number five was actually going to happen, right? We know that Isaiah Wilson is now a Tennessee Titan. So these types of things, you know, have to go into the game and people getting ready for that. And I can't imagine a thrill for these young guys the first time that they get to see themselves in this game. Because I would bet the vast majority of them have played it growing up and probably had visions in their mind, dreams of putting on that NFL uniform and being in that game. And it won't be long that they'll be able to look and see themselves in their uniforms playing. It's going to be pretty cool. Amy, would you freak if that were you? Oh, my gosh. I would lose my mind. But I would also play it every single day. I would not <laughs> I would just play myself on that video game. And I would want to hear Charles's commentary every step of the way. All right. So he's also on Sirius NFL Satellite Radio. That's Channel 88. And how often are you on there? In the off-season, typically once a week, usually on Thursday nights. Occasionally we'll fill in when other people, you know how it goes, 
to take vacation or are unavailable, that sort of deal. But I typically do that from about the time we all meet together at the Combine, you know, our annual visit at the Combine in Indianapolis. That's when I tend to start. And I will roll through until probably about mid-training camp. And then I get out of it for the season. Could I do it? Of course. But I really like the, the flexibility during the season of just locking in on what we all have to do each week, which is get ready for a game, you know? Right. And the serious people have been fantastic with me. And, and, and really, I appreciate every opportunity they've given me. So you understand, Mike, you've, you've had plenty of experience with the serious XM people and, and, and doing the radio there. And I remember calling you one time. I was like, Mike, I'm listening to you, right? This is so cool. I want to do this with you. This is so awesome. So, you know, here, here we are once again. I'm, I'm continuing to follow the path you've blazed, and it's pretty cool for me. Sirius XM NFL Radio is fantastic. I, I love it. Now, are you still doing NFL Network stuff? When they call, but now that the draft is over, as a general rule, I'm pretty well done until next year with the run-up to the draft and through there. There might be an occasional thing they might call me for throughout the season, but not nearly like it was years ago. You remember – during that time frame, I would do a game, whether it was a college or an NFL game on a Saturday or a Sunday, and fly to Los Angeles. And then I'd be in Los Angeles work NFL Network Monday, Tuesday, maybe something for but possibly Wednesday, but as a general rule, Tuesday, catch a red-eye flight home, and then Thursday or Friday, start all over again, going to the next city and doing the next game. And I did that for about five years. So that was a lot of fun. And, you know, and every time I tell that story, I always say to myself, how's that sounding to people? Are people hearing that and saying, oh, look at you, mister. Oh, my God, I had to fly everywhere and do all that. That is certainly not the way I want to come across. It's an honor for us to get to work. I mean, you sure. know that. Amy knows that. Anytime someone asks us to work, are there times we're tired? Yes. Are there times that, oh, boy, I had such and such scheduled? We, we have all those things like everyone else has in the world. You know, we all have different things, but, but I don't want anyone to ever think for a second I don't understand. Yeah, we're, we're pretty fortunate, you know, because people are working every single day and a decent number of people are doing things they don't want to do. We're doing exactly what we want to do, and, and I cherish that. And then, of course, back working with the Titans, an analyst for our preseason television. We are so thrilled that you're back. Now, the question, however, is, are we going to play four preseason games or are we going to play two preseason games? What do you think about hearing the first word of that right now? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that it stops you in your tracks when you first get it. I don't know what, what exactly you and Amy thought right away. But when I heard it, I was like, oh, because we look at preseason a little bit differently than I believe the general public looks at preseason now. Because when I was a young whippersnapper, Preseason meant a lot. There were six preseason games. Now, Amy, there's no way you were around for any of that, okay? <laughs> but there used to be six preseason games, 14 regular season games, and then you got into the playoffs. And the six preseason games, you were more than likely going to see starters in every preseason game in some shape or form. Maybe a little bit less in the beginning, but as it went on more and more and more, you would see them. Now, the sixth game, that's when they pull people back. But for the most part, you would see starters all the way through preseason. It was a different deal. 
then as we got to the four games in 16 and, and other things kicked in, it still took a while to get to where we are now where you may not see any starters in the preseason. They may be in full bubble wrap. So to go from four to two for us, it's a little bit different because this is part of what we do. This is part of our livelihood. And now I'm thinking of people who work these games. Think of the people at the stadium, right, who, who this is part of their job and their income. If you cut it down to two, I'm guessing, right, guys, we're talking about one home game, one road game, right? Right. So they've gone from two games to one. Their income gets cut in half if you're working at home. The people who are doing the games, whether it's Titans radio or TV, now all those people who are used to working three or four games, depending on if you get a national game or not, that gets shrunk down. So I don't want people to hear that and think about us as much as think about everybody else that's involved in putting on an event, putting on a game. Their income gets cut in half because in preseason you're getting two, now you're getting cut to one. That's my first thought. My second thought is I'm not overly surprised. It's been that type of an offseason with COVID going on. I'm not not overly surprised at all because aren't we kind of headed in that direction to begin with, right? We're talking about the day. We know we're going to get cut down on preseason. It just may start earlier than we expected. So whether there's two preseason games or four preseason games, you will still be working, though, Charles, because you're now also with CBS Sports. Tell me how that CBS opportunity came to be. Amy, I, I, you know, I always use the words lucky, fortunate, and I hope they don't sound right after a while because they're real. But I was fortunate that, you know, I had 14 terrific years with Fox. I mean, I got to do a lot of things there, including the BCS National Championship Games before we got to the college football playoff. Um, you know, called NFL games, you name it. I, I had an opportunity to do a lot of great things there. But my contract was ending at the end of last year. And as a free agent, I had an opportunity to explore other options if indeed someone was interested in me. And as it turned out, I was, again, fortunate and happy that CBS actually had some interest. So that's where it came about, Amy. And it all worked out for me that CBS had that interest. They had an opportunity for me. They had something in mind. And as it turned out, you know, Fox, as I said, terrific to me for all those years. They gave me an opportunity to continue with their their group and continue going. But when it was all said and done, it made more sense, in in my opinion, to be with CBS and, and start a new chapter in my life. So I thank Fox. I thank them for having the interest in me in the first place and still wanting me to be around. But I also thank CBS, of course, for giving me this great new place to be great new start in, 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 in doing something that I love to do. And now I get to work with a guy by the name of Ian Eagle and Evan Washburn works the sidelines. And I've been, and I'll leave it with this. How lucky am I in my career, Amy? These have been the play-by-play people I've worked with at Fox. Okay. Tom Brenneman, college football, Dick Stockton when I went to the NFL Tom Brenneman, again, while I was with the NFL. Gus Johnson, when I went back to college football. Oh, I love Gus Johnson. And finished my last few years with Kevin Burkhart. Another good one. Could not be. I mean, what person could be upset with those play-by-play people? Every single one of them phenomenal in what they're doing. I mean, Dick Stockton's a Hall of Famer, a living Hall of Famer for us, you know? So to be able to do that in these last few years with Kevin could not be better. And then what's my landing part, my landing spot? Iron Eagle? 
you kidding me? I met Ian years ago, Amy. I remember I told a friend of mine, Laura Oakman, I said, hey, if I ever had a chance to work with Ian Eagle in my career, that would be phenomenal. I realized that was probably 10 years ago. And now it's come, it's actually come to pass. Unbelievable. Have you and Ian already started doing things together? Have you already started the collaboration process? He's been so terrific, uh, welcomed me right away. So did Evan Washburn, so did everyone else on the team. You know, producer Mark Wolf and director Bob Fishman. And we've been doing like, I think a lot of us have been doing, phone calls, Zoom calls, emails, getting to know each other, know each other's background, just spending time. And I think it's been extremely valuable for us. And what I've liked about what these guys have done in welcoming me in is they didn't bring me in and say, okay, this is how we do a game, and this is how we're going to go over the first quarter. This is how... We're just meeting each other. Similar to the three of us talking right now, we've got experience. We've, we've done this for a while now. We fall into this like that, the three of us. We're learning that now. I'm learning them. They're, they're learning me. But I, I consider myself, again, happy <laughs> and, 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 again, fortunate. These guys have been extremely welcoming, and it's been fun. Now, you've had the opportunity to start that prep process a little bit, and we talked a little bit about the preseason, but we're hoping that things are still on track for the 2020 season to start kind of in a regular fashion. In your opinion, what is the biggest hurdle that's kind of left to clear before we can maybe with more confidence say that the season's going to start on time? You know that expression above my head? It is, but only for this reason. Our medical experts are going to tell us what the big hurdle is. I mean, they're going to flat out tell us. And what I love about us, and I keep referencing the three of us because I know that we do the same thing, right? In terms of we prep, we care, we, we, we investigate. We do all those things. And you guys have been so wonderful to me, but let's be honest about it. Whatever the adjustment is, we'll be prepared for it. Right. Whatever it is and how they say we go, how we cover, how we we'll do it. That's not a big that part's not a big deal. Whether it'll look like it's looked before, the medical experts will tell us that and the league will listen to them and then they'll implement how we go. So that's the only thing I keep coming back to. But whatever it is, it's kind of like uh, remember the Titans when when Louis came running into their first meeting a little bit late. And they're like, where'd you go? He said, I heard football and I came running. That's going to be the three of us. <laughs> Well, there's been some talk in some other sports that broadcasts like radio and TV are going to be done remotely. So do you have any experience with that? Do you know what some of the challenges may be with broadcasting when you're not running to the field, but you're running to a studio somewhere to broadcast? You know, I, I did some remote games for NFL Europe years ago. All right, I went to a studio, and I think I went to NFL Films and did games that were in Amsterdam or Barcelona or whatever. I don't remember challenges during that time, but it was younger in my career, and I was just like, okay, great, and you just go ahead and do it. The rest of it, I couldn't begin to tell you because I know whatever is going on out there, Everyone behind the scenes is going through all the permutations, aren't they? They're going through all the possibilities. Should we try this? Should we do that? And again, when they tell me, I'm going to do it. But I don't know of any major challenges other than, let's be honest about it. We're used to being on site. We're used to being in the fray. We're used to walking into that stadium three hours ahead of time, 
and feeling it all unfold in front of us and rise to a crescendo. If we're all going to studios, that part may be a lot different for us. But again, we would adjust and we would adapt and we would do it. But, I, you know, being on site with a full crowd is a whole different ball game than, than not. We'll just have to see if we actually get to that point. This is the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Amy Wells, Mike Keith, joined by Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer Charles Davis, who is leaving Fox to broadcast for CBS. One more broadcast question before I jump into the Titans. Going to have a chance to do other sports? Going to have a chance to do other things for CBS? Do you know yet? There's a possibility that I might do some, uh, do some golf. They had mentioned that, and with PGA Tour Radio on Thursday, with, with the golf coming, golf coming back, I'm going to do something with, uh, with PGA Tour Radio, you know, through CBS, I would believe, for about an hour and a half on, on, on the internet, which is going to be a lot of fun to get my feet wet again and kind of get reintroduced to my old PGA Tour days, which was a whole lot of fun when I was a tournament director at Disney. So, yeah, that might do a little bit of that. But, again, that remains to be seen. And you know how that is, Mike and Amy. Bottom line is they signed me up for football. I better do my best job with that before I worry about anything else. Well, that's true. But you, you have that background with golf, and you have such a love for any sport. And such a great – I could see you work in the NCAA tournament somehow. And, oh. that, was, that was a blast. I did that, I think, for three years and had a great time working the NCAA tournament and meeting coaches and doing interviews and chasing down players after, after hitting game winners and things of that nature. That was a blast. Let's talk about some of the newer Titans. Now, Charles, one of the exciting things about you being on CBS is you're going to get to do AFC games. Hopefully we'll see – a lot of Charles Davis at Nissan Stadium and on the road calling Titans games. But for the last few years, you've called NFC games. You've seen the Atlanta Falcons a lot. Tell us what you think about the Titans' newest outside linebacker, Vic Beasley. He's one of those guys that's just loaded with talent. We saw that in, what was it, the 2016 season, which was the, the monster breakout. You know, what do you have, 15 and a half sacks. Even more than that, I think he had seven forced fumbles during that time he was he was exactly what you were looking for you know you guys know nowadays we don't need a ton of bulk to play on the defensive side of the ball speed the ability to get to the quarterback that's what made Vic Beasley Vic Beasley I think the last couple of years for him and in Atlanta he's been a more of a hybrid type player where he's had to play on the defensive front and maybe drop into coverage a little more often than maybe you might expect from that type of a player my guess is that with Mike Vrabel now having a heavier hand in the defense, a second opportunity for Vic Beasley in a new spot, he's going to do probably 95% rushing the quarterback. That's what, this, that's what they got him for. That was a need for Tennessee, something to upgrade. And if they can get that, that Vic Beasley back of 2016 or approaching those numbers, that's, that's a big hit for Tennessee because now it allows the Jeffrey Simmons of the world to work inside and be even more forceful getting upfield themselves. From Titans fans, I get a lot of questions, and Mike Keith, I'm sure you do too, about the Titans' second-round pick, Christian Fulton, and whether he will be ready to make an impact in this Titans secondary as a rookie. Now, Charles, you know DBs. You know Christian Fulton. What do you like about him and how he's going to fit in with the Titans? 
Well, what I like is, one, playing in the SEC and dealing with the speed that he saw every week, that was a big deal. The next step is playing at LSU and dealing with the receivers that they put out. Because think about it, Justin Jefferson, first round pick this year, right, going to the Minnesota Vikings. Their number one receiver wasn't eligible to come out this year, Jamar Chase. He was the, the Blitnikoff winner, I believe, in college football, was the best receiver in the country. So those are the types of players he has to deal with all the time, you know, worked outside, worked inside in the slot. He's really a quieter kid. He's not one of those, you know, a lot of times with DBs and wide receivers, you know, we tend to be a little more of the expressive types. So <laughs> he is not really like that in terms of, you know, that type of interpersonal and being a little brash and louder. He's going to be much more letting his play do the work for him. I think he'll have a very nice opportunity to get his feet wet early and have a chance to go in there and play. And I think for him, if I'm eyeballing a spot to go, I'm thinking hard about going inside and playing that nickel. With everyone that they've got in the secondary already that can, uh, can man the outside with Dory and Malcolm and, you know, those guys, I think hard about finding a spot there and being able to get on the field early. But I do think having played at LSU, played for a national championship last year, played more games than the average bear and more big games than the average bear, that helps your transition coming into the NFL. Now, you touched on it a little bit earlier, but I want to circle back to it. There's a chance Mike Vrabel could be calling the Titans defense this year. What challenges do you see for him if that's a role he decides to take on? Well, I think for Coach Vrabel, the challenge is just simply delegating a few more things off of his plate in order to get ready to be a play caller on the weekend. You know, he's not going to shirk his duties of being the head coach in the face of the franchise for Tennessee. You know, we're still going to get him in those pressers and other things that he's going to have to do. But as far as some of the other things that he'll have, every head coach has a personal, you know, a guy next to him. Kind of like if you were a West Wing fan back in the day, Charlie was the body guy. For, for President Bartlett. Everybody's got a body guy, all right? That body person is going to take a few more things off of the plate of the head coach as well in order for him to game plan, spend that time with the, with the defensive staff in order to get ready to call that game if indeed that's the direction that he goes. But I don't think that's a major problem for a guy like Mike Vrabel. Delegating, understanding, being efficient, use of time he's already done it remember he's been a d coordinator in the league before so for him that's just going back to his roots and being a little more hands-on on game day even though let's face it over the headset he's probably been hands-on on game day anyway just <laughs> making the final call but that final call goes through his headset so so we do know he's had a hand in that part of it as well amy did he know did he know that you were a west wing freak I was just about to say, he enhanced this podcast by a million percent by making a West Wing reference. No, I, I'm done. Like, I'm out. We peaked. It's over. I had, no idea. <laughs> I had no idea you were a West Wing fan. Favorite show in the universe, hands down. We're going to have a conversation about this later, Charles. You're coming back for the West Wing edition of the OTP. I'm excited about that because I still remember the first episode when President Bartlett fell off the bicycle and got hurt. And everybody wants to know who POTUS is. Oh, I could do this all day, Charles. And then, of course, by the time it was over, he realized that everybody hadn't really been doing their thing. Mm -hmm. And that's when we learned vacation's over, everybody get back to work. And we saw that repeated over the years on the West Wing. Oh, 
This is making me so happy. <laughs> this is not the West Wing podcast. Amy listens to a West Wing podcast. This is actually the OTP presented by Far Bureau Health Plans. Don't get sacked by the high cost of health care. Make Far Bureau Health Plans your first line of protection. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. I want to jump ahead, and I want to talk offense. We've been talking defense. What excites you, Charles Davis, about the Titans' offense heading into 2020? That they understand who they are, and they're not worried about, okay, do we have to change this? Do we have to change that? Of course you're going to add wrinkles. Of course you're going to play off of some of your success before. Of course you're going to say, okay, do we really want to run Derrick Henry every single time we, 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 we snap the football? Those things are going to come up, and they're going to look at that and tweak it. But when you look at their draft and what John Robinson did and said, okay, this is who we are. Where's our need, and where do we have to plug in? Jack Conklin goes to the Browns. Isaiah Wilson gets drafted in the first round. Now, the three of us know that if you go back through the mock drafts of the so-called experts, even though, you know, I guess I would quote-unquote count that, you and Amy would count on that. But around the league, right, we all had, you know, mock drafts, one, two, three, four, five, whatever it was. Pick the top people that we saw out there. How many times did you see Isaiah Wilson in the first round? Now, the answer to me was probably zero up until probably the week of the draft. And then you know how you get closer to the draft and things start to leak out a little bit and, you know, people hear different things and they connect a few more dots. And he started to get a little more love closer to the draft. But all in all, Isaiah Wilson wasn't on very many mock drafts. People respected his ability, but they didn't see another tackle going in that first round. The reason I bring that up is John Robinson and crew are like, look, <laughs> we don't care what you people think. We care what we think. We care what's good for our team, how we evaluate it, how we're going to go ahead and do things. And by the way, this guy is a mauler, brawler in the run game. That's where we make our living. Hello, Isaiah Wilson. Welcome to Tennessee. Do the things we saw on tape at the University of Georgia and better, and we're going to be just fine, young man. Plug in and go. And then you continue to add off of that offense, right? You continue to develop. Ryan Tannehill at the quarterback position and what he gave. Obviously, Derrick Henry's there. But one of my favorite picks was Darrington Evans, okay, the kid out of Appalachian State. I, I mean, you talk about getting into my heart and me going, yes, that's the perfect type of a guy, change-up guy. Forget that third down back stuff. This kid is a running back, but he's going to give you those extra plays, just like we thought about Deion Lewis being here previously. That's what he's going to do. Plus. He can break a game open if you want to make him a kick returner as well. Plug into Penn State tape and, and, and watch him go. All right, so let's talk about Jadevian Clowney for a second. Titans fans have been talking about Jadevian Clowney for months. Uh, maybe a free agent that the Titans add. Maybe not. Maybe he goes somewhere else. So two-part question. What do you think's going on with Jadevian Clowney right now? And number two, for the team that adds him, what does he add to your defensive scheme that makes you different and special? I think that for Jadevian Clowney and what's going on with him now with no conversation with him, no one in his camp outside observer, I think he's got to get comfortable with the idea that the money he had hoped to make, he might not make. 
In fact, it looks like he's not going to come close to making that kind of money. I'm sure he was looking for that top defensive end <laughs> type of a contract, and it has not been there. No one's come close to showing him, you know, for, for, for Jerry Maguire and crew, no one's showing him that kind of money so far. So he's got to get comfortable with that idea that, okay, am I going to come down, sign a one-year or two-year, maybe lesser money, try and make it up later? All those things have to come into play. The second part with that is where can I go to show those talents in order to get that money, whether it's with that team I signed with or the ability to jump somewhere else after having signed with them. Well, look, if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you're going, this is the spot, man. There's a screaming need for pass rusher right here in Nashville. You'll be plug and play right away. You'll be counted on to be that guy. Yes, Vic Beasley got signed in the offseason. Yes, Harold Landry is here. But Jadevian Clowney shows up. This is your chance, man. This is a great spot. Plus, you're going to a team that went to the AFC Championship game last year. And in your own division, you get a chance to go against Houston twice, who you used to be with. Go chase down Phillip Rivers in Indianapolis and go get a young Gardner Minshew in Jacksonville. Not a bad place to go hunting. So that part works out well. The second part of this for him is over time, all we talk about is athleticism, right? Because it's, it's breathtaking. You guys you remember when, what, what, 466 at the combine? And almost Deion Sanders didn't just went out the door and we never saw him again. He was number one pick in the entire draft. We remember the big play against, was it uh, Vincent Smith from, from Michigan in the Michigan. bowl? Michigan. Right? We all remember that. I was talking with Alex Boone, the former offensive lineman with the Vikings and Arizona Cardinals. He said he played against Clowney. And he said two things, consistency, which is part of it. Is he bringing it every play, every down? Heck, forget every play. Can you get 40 great plays out of him out of 60 snaps? If you do that, that's pretty good. With, and you're going to get some big play. But he said underrated is his ability to play the run. He said Jadevian Clowney's not just a pass rusher. He talked about one play, that he was, I think it's with Minnesota. He said their guard pulled, and it was a trap play. And Clowney's like, I'm not going to deal with this trap all day long. And he said he hit the guard with a forearm in the chest and knocked him out. <laughs> he said the guard's done, finished, game, day, day over. He has that type of breath, physical ability, that you're, which is part of the problem because you see it and you're like, I want that every play. Well, it may not be possible every play, so we fall back on, well, he's not giving it to me. I don't know about all that part. I'm going to leave that to the scouts and the personnel people. But I do know consistency is the deal because let's just go back to last year. Was it a Monday night against San Francisco? He wore them out. Their first loss, yep. Was there a better defensive end in the league that night? The answer is no. Absolutely not. He wrecked the game. We use that term all the time, probably more than we should. He wrecked that game for San Francisco. And the rest of the season, everybody kept waiting for more of that. But he was in and out of the lineup with some injuries, some other things that went on. And here's the thing to remember. For all of his breathtaking gifts, the highest number of sacks in the season for him is nine and a half, which absolutely shocks you because you think he's a double-digit guy each and every year. But he has to be on the field in order to do that. But, look, if it's a friendly contract and Tennessee can get him for that, I would run there myself. And I – I think John Robinson would do exactly that if indeed it could fit within their cap. It's a, it's a friendly contract for the, for the team. He's not going to get the kind of money he was looking for when this whole thing began. Are there other 
agents that are still on the market that could have that same level of impact for a team? I think there are very few left when we're talking about that, Amy, when we're talking about who those free agents are, because now we're really into quarterbacks, aren't we? We're really into is, you know, how's Cam Newton not out there somewhere running someone's team? And it has really blown me away because I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. The NFL MVP from just a few seasons ago, remember in Nashville helped cause a kerfluffle because he, you know, the time he spent in the end zone and, Next thing you know, we're having a national debate about how long you get to celebrate and all the other stuff. He's not signed anywhere. And it looks like we're going to have to get to training camp and see where an opportunity comes up if the starter goes down. All those things, which really, really is stunning for a guy of his abilities. We're falling back on the injury thing. And in COVID times, you know, the pandemic, we can't, you know, get the physicals, do all the things we're looking for. So we'll see how that part plays out, but he's going to be the big one. And obviously, you know, when, when you're looking out there for, for other players, I think Amy is going to be in training camp time. You know, maybe a guy, we're wondering if he can play one more year. That team may decide he can't, but he may fit somewhere else for someone. We'll, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Right now, the biggest news in the NFL mirrors the biggest news in the world. And, and obviously that's talking about dealing with social injustice. So through the conversation that has gone on over the last two weeks, what are the most important things you have heard and are hearing right now, Charles Davis? Well, for me, the consistency is the, is the word listen. The consistent word, I should say, has been the word listen. And it works every which way. It's not just you listen to this group or, you know, they, they listen to you. It's all over the place, all of us. It's like us having this conversation now. You ask me a question, I have to listen to that question to give you a good answer. When I throw something in there about the West Wing, Amy heard that and reacted because she was listening. We have to do that on the biggest scale we've ever had but it's hard to listen and not be defensive, not wall things off if we hear something we didn't want to hear, if we hear something that makes us uncomfortable, which is the word we use all the time, which means that's not me, that's someone else, you know, that's not this. And all of us have to be able to drop those defenses a little bit and find out what it is that that person's talking about. You know, my parents, I was so lucky to have the parents I've had. I lost my mom about four years ago. My dad's still with me. But one of the things they talked about with me growing up is you're going to encounter issues. You're going to just look at who you are. And it's just, there's just no way in, in, in this world a black person is not going to have some issues along the way that's going to be associated with the color of their skin. Now, is that going to paralyze you to the point where you're going to just stop at that point and I can't do anything or whatever? We're going to figure out other ways. Achievement was the word they talked about all the time. How do you achieve? How do you push through? How do you tend to, tend to fight through all these things? Have that achievement. Treat people as well as, you're, as you expect to be treated. And if you don't receive that back, figure out why, how, whatever, and keep moving. Because that's just... We're not going to all like each other. <laughs> and it's not always because of race. I just may not like the sound of your voice. You may hate the sound of mine. You may not like the shirt I wore. It could be any of those things. But if we listen to each other a lot more, Mike and Amy, I just think that 
we have a better chance, but it's really hard because we all come hardwired and bring our own experiences with us. And sometimes those walls, it takes a while for us to let those go and trust somebody else, with someone else, when they tell us something about ourselves, we may not want to hear, or we may not have observed in ourselves. And a lot of times you get, oh, that's what you said to me? Well, let me tell you about you. And we hit back instead of going, hmm, let me contemplate that. Okay, and how do I bring that message to that person in a better way so we actually continue to listen to each other? So it's hard, you know, it's, it's really, really hard, and I'm not about to be Pollyanna about it. We are in a really tough spot right now. We really are. And, you know, for anyone in this world, if you can't see yourself or someone that you know being in George Floyd's position, and you can take everything else out of it, all right? Whatever happened in George Floyd's past, whatever happened in, in, in putting him in that position there, the end result never should have happened. The end result should never happen. We've seen mass murderers treated better. Dylan Root in South Carolina, killing all those people in a church, gets walked out. Didn't see a scratch, didn't see an issue, didn't see whatever. And I'm not saying there should have been. The right way was to arrest him and get him out of there. But if that can happen, normal, normal stop, normal you know, arrest ends in a person being dead because someone was callously, didn't care about their life. That doesn't make any sense. So I just think that the vast majority of people, you, me, Amy, know, would look at that and go, that's not right. And now here's our chance to start making it right in the future. And I think we got to keep working together on that. From the listening standpoint and the instructive standpoint, as painful as it was for all involved, will the Drew Brees New Orleans Saints situation end up being as good a lesson that comes out of the NFL as we might have? And I'm talking about the whole 72-hour process of it. Yeah, I think so in a lot of ways because, like an name, I'm of the opinion that if someone is, is truly trying to help, if they say the wrong thing or it doesn't come across the right way or whatever, if that person has had a history of doing the right things, am I going to want to cast them aside at that moment because of one comment? Probably not. That's just the way I'm built. I want to hear more about it. For Drew, look, being in that locker room and not understanding what the message was trying to come across and, and equating it again with kneeling in the flag and all, that was a mistake. But when they had the Zoom call and his teammates got with him and, and the reaction and, and whatever, you've heard his teammates come out and say, we hear Drew, we take him at his word, we respect him, we're moving forward because it's not like Drew Brees didn't try and help a whole lot of people along the way. I mean, who are we kidding, right? Go back and look at the track record. It's, it's really impressive. Does that absolve him of the comment? No, but he's acknowledged that. He acknowledged that to the world multiple times now. When people say, okay, let's see how he's going to walk the walk. I was like, well, he's walked it already. I think he'll keep walking it. I don't, I don't worry about him. Those are the types of things that for me, I want to see happen. I do know a number of people have said, ah, Done. Finish. Hey, how could he say that? That's not where I sit, Mike. That's not where I sit, Amy. That's not how I go about it. I'm not saying you can say anything and I'm going to give, you know, and we're going to get there. But if I know who you are before, I'm not about to 
<laughs> okay, this was that comment. Let's find out what was driving it. Do you stand with that? Let's go from here. Okay, and, and look where they are now. I think the Saints are much healthier because of it, and they'll move forward. And the beauty for that is in high school, your head coach is probably involved in that. Right? In college, your head coach is probably involved in that. The NFL, the Saints pretty much took it upon themselves as a locker room before Sean Payton and crew had to even bother to get involved. Not that they wouldn't have. I'm just saying these are grown men having grown man discussions, people discussions, adult human being discussions. Remember the words we used, uncomfortable, <laughs> listening? They'd listen to all sides, you know? And I'm sure when Drew Brees had those conversations with guys, they may have heard some things from him that maybe they – had to take stock of. I don't know that this was just a one-way street, even though it might be painted that way. But it seems to me that that's a healthy locker room that found a way to negotiate and maneuver through that. And I'd be surprised if we didn't have a lot of healthy locker rooms across, across the NFL. I think a lot of these people will be able to do that. And I hope that we can use some of those locker rooms as models for the rest of our society. Last question. What needs to happen in the National Football League in the coming weeks and months that can make a positive difference in all of society when it comes to social injustice? I just think in a lot of ways, I, I don't want to come off Pollyanna, Mike, because that's just the worst thing I can do right now. But a lot of things have been said in the past. A lot of things have been floated in the past, ideas how we can do things better that may not have been heard before, that may have been rejected before, may not have been implemented before. I think we've got a chance to do that now. I really do. And I think that those are the things that we will see. I just hope we don't get caught up in the whole idea of, well, let's see what happens on opening day, whether people are going to, you know, kneel or what. It's way bigger than that. Way bigger than that. And I actually had someone say to me the other day, someone I really, really respect, like, I'm just wondering if whatever gesture the, the players and the teams come up with, if you make sure it's not right there at the anthem so that no one gets confused anymore about the flag. Well, people who have said that they would get with things, as long as it doesn't can, you know, get involved that, would they now get involved? It's a thought. I'm not sure we'll get there. We'll see how everyone decides to do it. But I just don't want everybody to get caught up with that's the only conversation. It's a much bigger deal than that. How do we make things better, continue to make things better? And I think we got a lot of people who are trying to get that done. I mean, I do have optimism that way. My heart hurts right now for our country. But I will say this. The next time I hear someone tell me we live in unprecedented times, I'm going to be like, hold up a second, because <laughs> I've already done it with people. Unprecedented. You have, what history have you, did you watch in the United States? In a lot of ways, take race out of it. How did the United States get started? Revolution that unfortunately ended up violent, right? But that's how we had to get our, our independence and start as a nation. And we've had these things happen and bubble all the way through. So when they say unprecedented, I was like, you're missing that. It's not unprecedented. But this is our flashpoint. Is this our chance to jump off and, and, and actually get better? That's what I'm looking for. Let's use this time frame, make it a jump off point for our country, and all of us find a way to get better. And the first person I'm looking at is the guy I look at in the mirror every morning. I have to be better. 
has to start here. Everyone looks at it like that. That's what I'm talking about, the defensiveness. Oh, you're telling me what I have to do all the time. Yeah, but I'm telling myself. I'm part of, I'm part of the deal. So I want to be part of the solution. Please let me be part of that. Tennessee Sports Hall of Famer, former Tennessee volunteer, broadcaster for Fox, now for CBS, preseason television with the Tennessee Titans. You are a friend and a gentleman and a scholar. And Amy Wells and I thank you so much for joining us, Charles Davis, on this edition of the OTP. Yeah, I thank you and Amy Wells and the Tennessee Titans and can't wait for all this to get started again when we're back out on the field and all of us get together and talk ball and talk Titans and talk season. So I'm looking forward to it. And thank you, both of you and, and everyone else who's watching. Please stay safe. You know, everything that's going on in this world, COVID's still out there. Please stay safe, stay healthy. Let's not, let's not forget what's led us to where we are today in a lot of ways. And the rest of it, let's let's get better as a, as a people. Let's get better as a nation, and I want to be a part of that. For Charles Davis and Amy Wells, Mike Keith says thanks for joining us. Presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans, this has been the OTP.